Section 5 of Carolina Chansons by DeBose Hayward and Herbie Allen. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Priest and the Pirate, a Ballad of Theodosia Burr. And must the old priest wake with fright because the wind is high tonight? Because the yellow moonlight dead lies silent as a word unsaid? What dreams had he upon his bed? Listen, the storm. The winter moon scuds high and bare, Her light is old upon his hair, The gray priest muses in a prayer. Christ Jesus, when I come to die, Grant me a clean, sweet summer sky, Without the mad wind's panther cry. Send me a little garden breeze To gossip in magnolia trees, For I have heard these fifty years Confessions muttered at my ears, Till every mumble of the wind Is like tired voices that have sinned, and furtive skirling of the leaves like feet about the priest-house eaves, and moans seem like the unforgiven that mutter at the gate of heaven, ghosts from the sea that passed unshriven. And it was just this time of night there came a boy with lantern light, and he was linen pale with fright. It was not hard to guess my task, although I raised the sash to ask. Oh, father, cried the boy, oh, come quickly with the viaticum, the sailor-man is going to die. The thirsty silence drank his cry. A starless stillness damped the air, while his shrill voice kept piping there. The sailor-man is going to die. The huge drops splattered from the sky. I shivered at my midnight toil, but took the elements in oil, and hurried down into the street that barked and clamored at our feet. And as we ran there came a hum of round shot slithered on a drum while like a lid of sound shut down the thundercloud upon the town jalousies banged and loose roofs slammed like hornbooks fluttered by the damned and like a drover's whip the rain cracked in the driving hurricane only the lightning showed the door that like two cats we darted for it almost gave a man a qualm to find the house inside so calm I sloshed all dripping up the stair, up to an attic room aglare with candle-shine and lightning-flare, and little draughts that moved its hair. A wrinkled mummy sat a-stare, rigid, huddling in a chair. I thought at first the thing was dead, until the eyes slid in its head. It seemed as if the banshee storm knocked screaming for his withered form. It shrieked and whistled like a parrot, clucking and stuttering through the garret. Without the mailed hands of hail battered the casements, and the gale about his low roof shuddered, sighing, as if it knew that he was dying. It breathed like waiting beasts outside, while soft feet made the shingle slide. Then, like a blow upon the cheek, the mummy's voice began to speak. "'Give me a priest, I'm going to die,' the banshee wind took up the cry. "'Give him a priest, he's going to die.' The old house seemed to rock with laughter, shaking its sides and every rafter. There was a terror in that room like faint light streaming from a tomb. I tried three times before I spoke, and then the bald words made me choke. Be quiet, man, for I am come to bring you the viaticum. I made the sign of holiness. He rattled out a startled cry. I whispered low, confess, confess. His thin hands quivered with distress. It is a bitter thing to die. Just when a blast fell on the town, I felt his lean claws clutch me down. It seemed as if the hands of death were beating at my breast for breath. 
His arms were like a twisted rope of rotten strands that tugged at hope. Listen, my father, listen well. The wind went tolling like a bell. She's lying fifty fathoms deep where fishes like white birds go by through water air in ocean land. She has a prayer book in her hand. Tonight she walks. Tonight she spoke. Her hair goes floating out and up, blown one way with the water weeds, always one way like amber smoke. She asks the gift she gave to me, this ring, I cannot get it off. His hand and hand fought like two claws. I hear her calling from the sea. His terror made my own heart pause. His voice went moaning with the wind and groaned and rattled. I have sinned and moaned and murmured at my ear of bat-winged angels standing near. The little schooner Patriot, I can't forget the vessel's name, we met her rounding Nag's Head Bank, we made her people walk the plank, twelve men whose faces I forgot. But there was one sweet lady there with lovely eyes and lovely hair, whose face has stayed like pain and care. For every man she made a prayer, and when the last had found the sea, I cried to her to pray for me. She prayed and took this ring and said, Wear this for me when I am dead. She bowed her head, then steadfastly she walked into the hungry sea. But silent words were on her lips, and there was comfort in her hand. It was as if she walked a bridge that led into a pleasant land. All that was long and long ago, so long ago this ring has grown to be a very part of me, one with my finger and the bone. His voice went trailing in a moan. This is her ring. This is her ring. I dare not die and wear the thing. His hand plucked at his finger thin as if to ease him of his sin. I gave a sudden gasping shout. The wind that blew the window in had blown the candle out. Quick, father, quick. The ring. Her name. There came a jagged spurt of flame. The window seemed a furnace door that gave upon a bed of ore. The thunder rumbled out the muttered words that his failing tongue had uttered. Another flash, a rending crack. The old man crumpled like a sack. I felt his stringy arms go slack. How could he sit so dead, so still, while windsnout snuffed along the sill? White shone his glimmering face, and dull the sodden silence of the lull. For when he died, the wind had dropped, and with his heart, the storm had stopped. All but a far-off mouthing sound that seemed to sow from underground, while silence paused to plan some ill thwarted by thunder growling still. All in the darkness of the place, with lightning playing on its face, I fumbled with the corpse's ring, to which the dead hands seemed to cling. The stiffening joints were loth to play. After a while, it came away. Out, like a sneak-thief through the gloom, I tiptoed from the dead man's room. The door behind me, like a hatch, banged. The white splash of my match made shadow shapes dance on the wall, as if the devil pulled the string. The light ran melting round the ring. Inside, the worn script scrawled a blur. J.A. to Theodosia Burr. Confession is a sacred thing. I'll keep his secret like the sea. The ring goes to the grave with me. H.A. Note on Theodosia Burr to accompany the priest and the pirate.
In 1801, Theodosia, daughter of Aaron Burr, Vice President of the United States, married Joseph Alston of The Oaks, Hobcaw Barony, South Carolina. They had one son, Aaron Burr Alston, who died in 1812, the same year that Joseph Alston was elected governor of the state. On December 30, 1812, at the urgent solicitation of her father, who had just returned from Europe, and who awaited her eagerly in New York, Theodosia set sail from Georgetown, South Carolina, in the pilot boat schooner Patriot. Those on board were never seen again. The vessel, which was being fitted out as a privateer, was carrying dismounted guns under her deck, and may have foundered in the severe gale of January 1, 1813. In 1869, however, a Dr. W. C. Poole attended a Fisher family at Nags Head, Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. In the fisherman's hut hung an oil painting of a beautiful woman, which had been taken from an abandoned pilot-built schooner that drifted onto the North Carolina coast in that vicinity in January 1813. No one was aboard, and the vessel had evidently been looted. Ladies' clothes were found in great disorder in the cabin. There was also a story told by a dying sailor who confessed that he had seen the crew of such a boat walk the plank, and that among them was a beautiful woman who walked into the sea with a Bible or prayer book in her hand. The painting is in the possession of the Burr-Alston connection, and is thought by them, on account of its striking family resemblance, to be a picture of Theodosia Burr. The painting story has often been scouted, but there is too much circumstantial evidence to ignore it in treating the legend. End of section 5. Read by Laurie Ann Walden.